And we are back. It's been a year, 366 days oh. since we've been at NAB. And uh, we are back at NAB. Uh, I'm Yaroslav Altunin, tech editor at North Film School. I am with the talented Rafi Rivero. And I like the fact that you counted that extra 366th day because it was a leap year. It was, wasn't it? Okay. Yeah, I was kind of like we've been at NAB for uh, a day. So I don't know. We recorded. I don't know. doesn't matter. Maybe it wasn't a leap year, but I like the fact that there was a number added because <laughs> I hadn't done the math myself. But we are here thanks to Black Magic and Lexar, who sponsored our stay. And uh, we have a lot to talk about. We have a lot to discuss. And uh, yeah, let's get into it. Uh, Rafiq, you uh, were on the floor for the majority of today. Today's Sunday, for those who are counting. First day of NAB, and last year, Murphy and I were both on the floor doing doing interviews, hanging out, shaking hands, kissing babies. And now I was up in the press room, and Rafi was kind of doing doing the thing by himself. So, what'd you find? What'd you discover? First of all, NAB, who for anyone who's never been, is an incredibly intense environment. Yeah, there are, I believe, two hundred thousand people who show up to Las Vegas. Two hundred thousand? Yes. It's like a small town crammed into three rooms. Yeah. So there's an intensity to the experience. There's an excitement because you're seeing new things, but there's also an intensity because there's so many new things jumping out and screaming for attention at the same time. So always my first impression walking onto the floor is just like, wow, there's a lot coming at me at once. <laughs> I would say we were kind of walking around looking at various booths and looking at kind of the general tone and tenor of the place. To me, this is my fourth NAB, second with no film school. I felt that there was a level, a pitch of excitement that felt pre-pandemic-like, that, that, that the, the place, yeah. uh, the more blood flowing through the place, for lack yeah. of a better term, that there was an energy of fullness to the, and probably felt the same way in the press room. Versus last year. Yeah. There's a lot more people in the press room and a lot of unfamiliar faces like editors, journalists, just writers, people that cover the, th the same things we do in uh, some sort of capacity, but, you know, that weren't here last year. Right. But let's start with, let's start with this. So for those who don't know what NAB is or NAB, I've heard it called, which is weird, but what is NAB? It stands for National Association of Broadcasters. A thing that nobody, absolutely nobody is talking about. No. Is the fact that this is the 100th NAB and it's supposed to be a big, amazing yeah, 100 anniversary. Years. Yeah. 100 years of NAB. But you know what? I think, I think it's nice that the first NAB that's like fully back and like alive after the pandemic is this centennial? Centennial. Centennial. So anyways, NAB, what is it? So it's... Uh, conference wherein people in broadcasting all forms whether that be broadcast journalism whether that be print journalism whether that be film and television come together whether that be people in the ad space advertising mm -hmm. uh, come together to showcase their newest innovations in technology that could be for us as filmmakers cameras lenses etc but that can be stuff in the post-production that can be audio post that could be ad tech that could mm -hmm. be you know, there's a whole, like, both my parents worked in radio. Both my parents have been to NAB. We haven't even <laughs> gone to any of the rooms that have to do anything to do with yeah. radio or audio because that's yeah. not, we're no film school. Yeah. Um, but there's not like no a radio whole, school. There's a whole bunch of, like, radio people here. We just have no idea of where they are and they're all wearing suits and dress differently and talk about different stuff. So NAB has this kind of, it's a large village with lots of just different streets and avenues and little places that, you know, like, oh, I don't, these aren't exactly my people here, mm. but it's cool that they're here and that we're here at the same time. Yeah. And I do want to throw back to kind of your parents coming to NAB. You are, to record this podcast, you are using your dad's microphone. I am using my dad's which microphone. Which is like 40 years old. At least. And it's, I, I can't hear it because I'm not wearing headphones, but nice. Yes. Yeah. So uh, you talked to a lot of people today. What was the coolest thing you saw? As far as things... A thing that I liked seeing was 
at the cream source booth, it was our first or second booth and they just had a setup that helped like link together lots of lights. Mm-hmm. It was a, it was a, a fairly prosaic thing. Kind of, you want to see a camera with this many stops at dynamic range or whatever. Like that's kind of what everyone's excited about. But this was just a way to link up, let's call it Lynx, L-Y-N-X. For those listening at home, cream source makes lights. But, uh, but what was cool about it was this was an innovative product that they had developed themselves. They're taking out patents. It's very safe. It's mm-hmm. lightweight. It's anodized aluminum. It was something that that showcased the heart of product making, of development. Mm-hmm. It wasn't something that somebody just cobbled together. I'm going to use Amazon Web Services and skin it with this other thing. Yeah. And, you know, uh, like a thing made out of other things that, that in the end isn't really a, a new thing. It was this, true it, innovation. It, yeah. was a, it was truly innovative product. Mm-hmm. And it showed, hey, we made something. We want to tell people about it. Mm-hmm. And that's always exciting. And what Rafi's talking about is the Lynx system, L-I-N-X. Yes. L-Y-N-X. Mm, sorry, L-Y-N-X, which is this, oh man, it's like a rod clamp thing. I, uh, a rod clamp system, I guess? Yes. Where you put one on each corner of one of their lights, uh, the Vortex 4 and Vortex 8 from Cream Source. And then you can just build a whole wall out of these. Yeah. And and you can just do a giant source of Cream Source lights. Or you can do like, a, the guy said, you could do like a low resolution video wall, which was really cool. Yeah. 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 It just, to me, that was like, here's real innovation that's happening right mm-hmm. before our eyes. Mm-hmm. That's why you come to NAV to see what the new things are. Some of the things we've seen at the Canon booth, we saw- Something old school from last year. Yeah. We saw something else cool. And the, and the true innovation for this year was the firmware, which allowed it to be Netflix mm-hmm. capable, which is great, but it, it's not, it, it's, an, it's because it's an internal innovation. It doesn't- Can't ha- see it. Yeah. It doesn't like have the same yeah. tactile kind mm-hmm. of element. Also really exciting. I think for camera in our world, mirrorless, small, lightweight, yeah. can go anywhere but has the cinema capabilities yeah. to be all the way on Netflix as an A camera. Yeah. That's something that we didn't have before at that price point. I like how you say uh, a mirrorless camera that can be an A cam on a Netflix show. Because to me, like uh, we go back, let's say, to the what now is the Alexa Classic, Aerie Alexa Classic. Out of the box, at one point, that shot HD. Right. You know, in ProRes. I granted it was ProRes 4444. Four fours, uh, <laughs> XQ. Uh, uh, yeah. So it, it was ProRes. It was mm-hmm. a compressed codec in HD. And so now we, spoiler alert, not spoiler alert, but bearing the lead here, uh, we are shooting this show using Fujifilm XH2s with Frame IO that's built into to a Wi-Fi grip in the camera that's going straight to our editors who are offsite in Los Angeles. Amazing. What? But. <laughs> We'll talk about that later. I, I think there's a lot to discuss. And, you know, this is only day one. And there's also day two of, of that kind of exploration of technology. Because this is also like an experiment as much as it is, you know, covering NAB. That camera does internal ProRes. It's tiny. It's the size of a, you know, generic mirrorless camera. Not generic, but standard mirrorless camera. Internal ProRes and external RAW. And I want to kind of quote a dynamic range. but you know. The dynamic range is whatever you kind of light it for. But for the people that don't know that or don't care, 14 stops at dynamic range. Like nice, solid 14 stops. And guess what else had 14 stops at dynamic range? The Alexa Classic. Yeah. So it's like we're getting a thing that was groundbreaking and it's almost common now. And, yeah. And it's small and it's, it's affordable and it's, what, one-tenth the cost of the Alexa Classic? I mean, you can still get an Alexa Classic today for like five, six, seven grand, which is still three, four times. Mm, my math is wrong. Two, four, six. Yeah, so three times more than what you would pay for the XH2. Right. XH2S, sorry. And it doesn't have the cloud and it doesn't have, no. the, you know, it doesn't have half of these features that, that we're talking about, you know, the, the external raw, the, so... Like, well, I would stop you. Alexa Classic could do, I think, external raw with a recorder. With the Sony recorder, which cost six thousand dollars, it was the, there you go. The, it's three times more than the you know the the camera. Was it Sony recorder, or did they have their own proprietary stuff? Did they have their own proprietary stuff? I it was. I remember as an external recorder that it's like, been so long. It's it's been yeah. a long time. Wow. And so I think a, a thing that we have in our industry is is like 
people aren't impressed by a thing, even though it's incredibly impressive yeah. and so much more impressive than what we were dealing with just a few years ago. But because the pace of technology normalizes these things, we don't quite realize where we've arrived at. So it's, yeah. to me, some of these, it's, they're like, yeah, this can be you know, a cam on a Netflix show. And I'm like, this is a mirrorless camera that I could throw in my backpack. Yeah. Yeah. Try throwing your Alexa Classic in your backpack. You can't. Well, I mean, it depends on the size of the backpack. But I, I do want to say that I, I'm seeing this hybrid hybridization. We're like, oh, you know, the Mark, sorry, the the Canon 5D started this kind of video DSLR craze, and now every camera, which is for all intents and purposes, intents and purposes, intense, intense, and purposes. intents and purposes. Sorry, English is not my first language. Hmm. Right? Um, is a is a camera for photography? Like the mm -hmm. XH2S is a photo camera. Right. Everything in Sony's lineup that's an alpha camera is a photography camera. But it's also an incredible video camera. Yeah. And camcorders are in the background, like, hey man, we're still here. Yeah. And honestly, I saw I saw a booth, uh, I saw a big poster for a camcorder. Oh my god, I don't remember who it was. See, which is we don't really care about camcorders, I guess, anymore. Which we should. Anyway, we'll get back, we'll get to that. But uh it was like, oh, now has ProRes. I'm like, now? In 2023? <laughs> okay. But maybe there's been a ProRes camcorder before and I just haven't seen it. But um, well, now, now you got to have B Raw if you want to really be I in know, that. <laughs> right? I guess you could go to like an external recorder and do that. But w would you ever use a camcorder ever again? And in what scenario? Uh, probably not a pure camcorder uh, just because I'm so used mm -hmm. to either cinema cameras, which, you know, carry themselves in a certain way mm -hmm. and have the interchangeability of lenses or these kind of hybrid cameras, which allow you to do stills and video on set and give you this other kind of flexibility. Mm -hmm. uh, a pure camcorder feels like an anachronistic thing, a throwback. Mm -hmm. uh, 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 like Betamax. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's, that's cool. You did Mini that. Mini DB. You know? Yeah. 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 I, I, I would think that maybe there's a niche somewhere in the documentary world where you just need something that's like compact in your hand does 4k it has a built-in lens it's powered it's like you know power zoom in your hand mm -hmm. you go you don't right. do just hit record and you right. you have like a war zone right there you go you're not gonna be like swapping your primes and mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. know <laughs> and under the sniper fire uh or in like you know a dangerous animal kingdom somewhere yeah well i i, I if it had the camera cloud thing i think yeah, that might be a great way to work, but we're so used to the interchangeable yeah. lenses. We're so used to swappable media, et cetera. Like a camcorder feels like not how one would work, but there was something to those old staying in the Canon world, the GL1, GL2, mm -hmm. this kind of integrated yeah. grip. Yeah. I grew up on, well, this is an interchangeable lens one, but I grew up on shooting on the XL2. Right. You know? Great camera. Yeah. Yeah. First camera with 24p and, and yeah. interchangeable lenses. And it had that little knob too, where you went from a, a four by three, four by three format mm -hmm. aspect ratio to a 16 by nine. Yeah. And we went click, it went whoop. Yeah. And it was like, oh, that, that, that's how movies look. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. I like that feature. I like that feature. So, okay. Uh, Cream Source, we talked about them, Fuji, mm -hmm. Canon. Mm -hmm. uh, Canon had some great lenses too, which was kind of cool. But you know what? I have a question and I'm going to ask somebody tomorrow about this. So, Canon released their flex zooms mm -hmm. for full frame. Mm -hmm. And recently, which we saw at the booth uh, today, they released their flex zoom lenses for Super 35. Right. But here's the thing. They released a expander mm -hmm. that makes a Super 35 full frame. Right. And I, I, it's, it's been a long day, but I think there's also an expander to reduce the full frame to Super 35. <laughs> so am I crazy? Or is it the same lens, just kind of like on opposite ends of the spectrum? Well, you know, I, th I think they're, aren't they full frame lenses that are able to be reduced to Super 35? That was released like six months, six months ago or okay. a year ago. Uh -huh. And now it's the Super 35 version that can go to full frame. Oh, interesting. Well, it could be that, that the at one focal length, it's smaller and the one it's, it's larger and, and that they are... Yeah. Too distinct. Could be. Yeah. But you know what? I read the papers. I read the press releases. It sounds like one lens. It's not the same lens because yeah. the, the focal lengths are two different. Well, so the pair, the pair yeah. mm -hmm. that they released 
now okay. mm-hmm. is Super 35, mm-hmm. but then can be expanded to full frame. Mm-hmm. And the pair released previously, mm-hmm. full frame. They can be reduced to Super, Super 35. 35 yeah. yeah. Or hyper-focalized. No, focal reduced. I wouldn't be surprised if the internal kind of, if the size of the glass, it's, it's much easier to make a, a big lens and then make it smaller. Yeah, maybe. Than, than to go the other direction yeah. because of, of the development of the glass. Um, the, the, you know, typically say a prime lens has seven pieces of glass mm-hmm. within it. Mm-hmm. And so you have to do the engineering of the actual pieces of glass, figure out the focal length, the, the, the barrel yeah. size, all of that is baked in mm-hmm. the lens. Mm-hmm. It's much easier to do that and then make it smaller than to do that and figure out some of this math going bigger. So th- th- that's not a surprise to me that, that they might've done it in that order. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that, that internally it's a bit different. On the outside though, same kind of thing. Also incredibly precise. I mean, Canon lenses are phenomenal. I mean, there's a reason why everybody, you know, in the cinema world still uses EF on some some black magic, EF, mm-hmm. Komodo. Mm-hmm. Komodo's RF, but it comes with an EF adapter, so mm-hmm. you know, I'll count that. I mean, uh, a sentiment that was echoed at the Fujifilm booth was that it's been a long time that Sony zooms have caught up mm-hmm. with prime lenses Mm -hmm. as kind of filmmakers and i'm putting that in air quotes we have this kind of predilection to prefer prime lenses out of a kind of yeah uh kind of misguided alignment with the history of cinema but Mm -hmm. in terms of actual pixels cine zooms have caught up in terms of sharpness in terms of even weight yeah from the to the prime lenses it's just you know uh, there are applications you want to be super small you want to be in the backseat of a car you there are Mm -hmm. places where prime lens still is your best option because it reduces weight because it reduces size because you know the uh, focal distance you want a a close focus Mm -hmm. zoom lenses start still aren't great with close focus but for most applications, 85% of them say uh, a cine zoom was going to give you everything that you want out of a prime lens, plus give you the flexibility of changing your focal length mid-shot On or the between shots. Or mid-shot, yeah. Yeah, you're right. I was going to say you can't make a pancake zoom lens, but you know what? They probably have. I think they. I think like there's a micro four-thirds like Lumix lens that's a pancake lens that's just, you know, from what, 14 to 16 or something. I don't know. Which is still zoom. You can't, you can't fault, fault mm-hmm. me for... Fault them for calling it a zoom, even though it's like two focal length, two two two, millimeters. two units of focal length, two millimeters. There we go. Yeah, thank you. Two units of focal length. You're right. Zooms have gotten really good and affordable. And uh, we saw a really cool zoom at the Fuji booth, twenty five to a thousand mil. But it's a cine box. Cine. It's called a cine box lens. It's one of the. So for those who don't know. What a box lens lens is. If you've been to like a a stadium, or if you've watched a sports game, or if you've been in the vicinity of any kind of broadcast uh, scenario, you see these giant boxes on the front of the camera. That's lens. Yeah. What was interesting about that lens? There were several things. One is that it had kind of custom wooden camera cage on it, mm-hmm. so it allowed for mounting. They had this giant road kind of telescoping boom mic on it, and the gentleman was telling us, oftentimes you'll see these guys and they'll have their mics taped. They have all yeah. kinds of like, you know, just yeah, taped. ridiculous things of how they, they rig this up. So this one had the custom cage, but also it was PL mount. Mm-hmm. Native PL mount. Native PL mount. And it had a reducing and expanding system so it could expand yeah. to full frame. So, But it started at Super 35 because yes. box lenses usually are doing... Uh, like one inch or quarter inch or, yeah. you know, whatever the broadcast yeah, yeah. standard is. And they're, they're, they're B mounts, they're B4 mounts. Um, so this was native PL. So it was thinking about cinema and thinking about how to work within a cinema context. And he was just talking about, I was like, well, what are some shots? What are some things that you've seen that people, mm-hmm. some applications people have used this for? One of them he described, which made a lot of sense to me, which was just at a concert where you can zoom from a shot of the stage mm-hmm. or, you know, something all the way down to this close focus of the guitarist yeah. plucking strings, mm-hmm. which is the type of shot that you always want that kind of level of intimacy playing, but with a big show, with a big you know yeah. kind of moment, you'll never be able to get that kind of thing. So this focal length gives you this just just deep flexibility, but also works with cinema, cinema cameras. It's designed, they're thinking and bringing it up to a Super 35 style sensor 
was that, hey, we want to give what we know our broadcast shooters are experiencing mm-hmm. to cinema folks yeah. who haven't experienced that. Yeah. And vice versa, to give kind of the cinema world to broadcast folks or people shooting live events. I talked to a gentleman who shot with this lens. His name is David Pearl. And um, he shot the last Mariah Carey special. And I wrote about it on, on nofilmschool.com. So go go check it out and see some pictures of the lens and of the the shots he did. So he put this camera, it was on uh, Sunny Venice, I believe. Okay. He put this thing 140 feet away, maybe more. Mm-hmm. I, I forget the specific numbers. I'm a writer, not a math mathematician. But he used that as a close-up camera. Wow. Because he needed to get far enough away from the stage and high enough so he could be away from the sound booth, mm-hmm. above the sound booth, mm-hmm. but above the crowd, but still get in close enough. So he's doing literal like shoulder to top of head close-ups from uh, 146 feet away wow and this thing is stabilized Mm -hmm. this thing is uh i want to say par focal it's par focal but there was something else but anyways phenomenal experience and i was like well what do you want to use this lens on he's like everything you're like imagine shooting an action movie with this imagine like bringing this on a movie and like keeping the camera crew far away getting a close-up of something that's dangerous for the camera crew. right yeah or like an explosion or a crash or something like that yeah and I do want to say, though, I think this lens is going to be like $250,000. Right. Yeah. It's a house. It's it's a rental. It's not yeah. it's not the type of thing you just throw in your backpack. For no, sure. no, no, no. It, it's like, a, yeah, it's a house in the Midwest or like a, a down payment on a house in California, which is expensive. <laughs> and you wouldn't, yeah, this isn't for the indie filmmaker, but it just goes to show you how broadcast is changing. And if you are starting out, and you are trying to figure out like what your feel is going to be. This is a tool that now belongs in both worlds. No matter if you're in broadcast, no matter if you're in film, it's it's going to be there if you have the scratch for it. Yeah. But Black Magic next. Yes. They are kindly sponsoring this podcast, and we have some words to say about Black Magic because they're so they're some good folks and. Uh, well, let me just roll right into a, a little sponsored copy before we start talking about the booth because we saw some awesome stuff at the booth. But yeah. let me just say this. Blackmagic Design continues to add new features to DaVinci Resolve Studio post-production software. This includes vertical resolutions for social media, DaVinci Neural Engine AI-enabled voice isolation and improvements to Blackmagic Cloud, which allows multiple editors, colorists, VFX artists, and audio engineers to work simultaneously on the same project on the same timeline, anywhere in the world. To learn more about these amazing and affordable tools, visit blackmagicdesign.com. So you went and chatted with some folks, and I also went and chatted with a folk named Grant Petty, but I'll I'll let you go first, because I want to hear what you found. I saw Grant Petty roaming around, and I was like, I was like, the man himself is here. (laughs) The man, the myth. I was hoping, you know, uh, know, to get a little FaceTime, but Yarrow managed to do that, but on some super secret, you know what I mean? This is the secret sauce of how our job gets done. It's through conversations, it's through human beings, and interacting with one another. So we saw some great stuff at the booth, two separate visits. I'll say the, the early visit, was about the new 12K camera, mm-hmm. showcasing that. It had a beautiful Optimo lens on it, mm-hmm. which is, uh, speaking of a down payment on a house, this is like a hundred, $150,000 lens. Um, yeah. They also had some, just some nice little Canon regular kind of mm-hmm. lenses on, on other demo units. Uh, but that was uh, just cool to see, you know, when you think of the Ursa series, you think of it starting as a 4K camera and now we're up to 12K, 12K yeah. you know, and- so, just just that you know that this is the progress of technology mm-hmm. right we 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 kind of take it for granted but here it is right this camera like was just visually looking at it side of it was full of buttons and i can remember the original hersa yeah. and it was just like an ipad on the side <laughs> yeah yeah and it was, but it had like four buttons right mm-hmm. and so it's just like the entire panel has like yeah you know developed and grown out mm-hmm. um let alone what's inside the camera let alone it's, it's kind of integration let alone black magic raw and all you know all these kinds of things that have that have happened over the years but it, it was really exciting to see that product and to ha- hold it in your hands and, and see a how good it is the build quality but also be like 
Blackmagic to me has always been a company that has thought about us, mm -hmm. the filmmaker, the mm -hmm. independent filmmaker, as a kind of core part of their people that they're servicing, a core part of their constituency. And a word that uh, the gentleman who was demoing it for me today said that I really appreciated was community. Yeah. You know, we think of ourselves as being a part of and sewing a, a community around our products of of people who hopefully will meet, interact, work with one mm -hmm. another. You know, you you can kind of grow up within their ecosystem, whether mm -hmm. it be on DaVinci Resolve, whether that be on the pocket, then you get your, maybe your Ursa Many, maybe you get, you know, a, a few more K of resolution a few years after that, that they've really built out from the image sensor all the way back through post-production yeah. to the cloud, to AI, a suite of tools that that kind of allows you to work. If you have a question, you know, the guy, he's like, sometimes I have a question about the thing and I'll just Google it and I'll find like a forum and yeah. somebody answers it, which is what we all do. Yeah. And yeah. I, you know, I can remember downloading the Captain Hook LUTs and, you know, all mm -hmm. the whole black magic experience. Yeah. So it was really kind of gratifying to hear that they think of themselves as participating, not mm -hmm. just in building physical products, but in building this whole world around what they're doing, yeah. whether that's the products themselves, whether that's the community, whether that's just this feeling that we have around using their things. Uh, Grant, Keith, every time I, I speak with him, and this is number two, he always says the same thing. And no, sorry, he says the same, and I read this in an interview he did before. He's like, look, I don't care about selling you anything. I want to bring you in, right? Give you the tools you need to be a creative. And then I know down the road, like you're just going to keep coming back because you trust these tools because they made you a creative. Yeah. And uh, I think that's really cool. It's got a good philosophy. And, you know, I appreciate the fact that, like, it's not about, you know, getting a product out every year and uh, making money. I think he really, truly, genuinely, and the company as a whole, they truly, genuinely want to make tools for people that are creative. And I think for me this year, I was like, oh, man, what's Blackmagic going to do with cameras? Like, what's they, what are they going to do at NAB? And I was expecting like a new release or something big. And, you know, they refined the the pocket line. It's solid. The 4K, the G2, 6K G2, the 6K Pro, like a price point for everybody. Still under three grand for everything, for Maybe. each camera. Mm -hmm. Then you have the Ursa. And now they have the Ursa 12K OLPF, which has like a filter built in. And Grant talked which, to- Which makes it Netflix capable. Yeah, mm -hmm, it does. And I think Netflix does that for- reasons i there's an article on our on our website about why it matters if a netflix camera is approved or not go check it out i don't remember why they want an olfpf filter but they do and now it's yeah now the ursa's on there yeah yeah so you know it's a, it's a camera that had been out but but now on this new olpf mm -hmm. olpf version it's netflix capable so you know for me i think of it Going back to when the first Blackmagic Cinecam came out. Mm -hmm. and, Which I have, the and, NFT mount. Yeah. And it's a great camera. And so you think, well, here was this kind of, people called it, what do they call it? The baby Alexa, right? Yeah. And so it was just this camera that's that's punching above its weight. Mm -hmm. Very affordable. You know, interesting sensor size. Wasn't quite in any camp exactly, mm -hmm. that that mm -hmm. first one. Mm -hmm. Took raw SSDs, like all the things, like just really clever. Yeah. And you think, well, here we are eight, 10 years later. And now they have a, a, you know, the top kind of marker of what a camera, whether you're in the club or not, yeah. Blackmagic is there. Yeah. So to me, that's just a great story yeah. that, hey, this is just a, a, a small incremental release. But incrementally, when you walk from a camera that had a trapezoidal shape and, <laughs> yeah. and nobody quite knew where to put it <laughs> yeah. and, and why is this, you know, color correction software company making a camera? What do they think they're doing? All the way up to... No, this camera can compete with any of the big boys. Yeah, it can. That's a and, great story. And you know what? It, it's it's 12K, yeah. But what makes the camera so good isn't the resolution. It's the asymmetrical sensor. Because this is a little above me, but I'm going to try to explain it as well as I can. So a traditional Bayer sensor for each pixel has a red, green, blue, and green filter. Mm-hmm. And when you debayer it, you have to do some funky math to get that extra green out of there. You know, and Sony has their own way of doing it. That's why their color science is a certain way. Red has a certain way of doing it. That's why their color science is a certain way can and so forth and so forth. That's not a Bayer pattern. 
It's a, the 12K, sorry, sensor is not a Bayer pattern. It's a red pixel, sorry, a red filter, a green filter, a blue filter, and like a white filter, hmm. which is either clear or something. So every, no matter how you like cut a square out of the, out of the sensor, it's symmetrical. Hmm. It, there's all, every, every pixel has the same amount of, you know, whatever. So this helps with aliasing. This helps with more more mm -hmm. I read it all the time but I never more yeah. more I yeah. I never hear it and uh it reduces all those things because it doesn't have to go through that weird debearing step and that's why when you reduce when you go from 12k and you shoot 8k you don't crop the sensor yeah important. when you go from 12k to 6k to 4k to 2k to whatever k you don't crop the sensor and it increases the frame rate and that's what that sensor gives you. But also better color, better whatever, because you're not compensating for that green. And then also Grant talked a lot about texture. He's like, when we made a camera, when we, when he said, when we made that first BMCC, that first cinema camera, he was like, we gave it that extra bit of whatever, because I every extra bit of resolution, not whatever. Everybody wanted HD, you know? Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, let's give you 2.5 because we know it's going to look better in HD. It's like that downsampling thing. Right, right, and he's right. like, so in 12K, like... He's like, I didn't think anybody was shooting 12K because it's dumb. Right. <laughs> he's like, that's silly. And, and he's like, I know people are going to shoot and you know, want to deliver in like you know, uh, a 4K or maybe even 6K, but they're going to shoot in like 8 and whatever. But he's like, because it gives you a texture. Mm -hmm. He's like, there's something different about a high resolution camera because you can see a lot of things that you can't on like a 4, 4K camera. But he's like, dude, everybody's shooting 12K. Which is crazy. Because be rock and handle it. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, I think uh, another thing that happens when you shoot um, a higher resolution and scroll down is, is that you effectively, I read an article about this, you effectively increase the bit depth of the color because mm -hmm. a thing, the interesting that, thing that happens when you take four pixels and you turn it into one is that there's the gradation of color is more because you're calculating mm -hmm. down and so you're going to get more you're likely to get more numbers than you would if it was just that one pixel yeah. so there there is this kind of in terms of color rendition mm -hmm. it's a secret kind of advantage to downsampling mm -hmm. i i think people are sleeping on the bmd 12k it's 5k too i mean mm -hmm. that's another thing it went from 10k and like hey we released the cameras ten thousand dollars as a 12k sensor it shoots beautiful images asymmetrical sensor you don't have to crop in on it everyone's like 12k ten thousand dollars it's like fine 5k mm -hmm. you know guys ladies <laughs> what i'm trying to say is ladies and gentlemen and uh folks who are non-binary get a 12k <laughs> do it <laughs> not because we're sponsored by black magic but because it's a dope camera go get one right now yeah you know we had this thing today where um we needed an sd card we're shooting on cf express type b and going to frame io and i didn't think to bring a card reader for sd cards i was like <laughs> When are we going to need to get SD card reader? <laughs> and I pulled the SD card out of the out of the Zoom recorder we're using to record this podcast. Guess what it is? It's an SD card. Guess what I don't have? An SD card reader. Ugh. But you know who saved her bacon? Who's that? Lexar, who is our second sponsor. And they were kind enough to donate us a card reader. And you know what? Solid. Quick, fast. They also have solid new cards for CF Express Type A and Type B, which get up to like... 1800 read and write almost give Ooh. or take it's fast yeah which we need if you're shooting 12k <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't know is is uh is it cf express type a or b for uh the ursa or is it like the old cf cards Oof. you know what i haven't shot an ursa 12k yet i should i should take my own advice and i should go get a 12k the guy who knows everything about cameras can't recall the card type on one particular, you know, what I find fascinating is that there's so many details and all of these products have so much thought and interest yeah. in them, but there's so much that it's, it's like the, you know, we were at the Ken Infinity booth. I own three different Ken Infinity cameras. I'm their guy. I, the very first Terra 4k that oh. ever came to America 
is my camera. Is your camera, yeah. The very first yeah. Mavo LF that ever came to my ca- America is my camera. <laughs> and I'm at their booth and they're telling me about their media and I'm it's a form of media I've never heard of before. Yeah. And they were and, like, it's the Mavo Edge LF. You're like, huh? <laughs> you, you know, we've we've kind of gone on because I own three black magic cameras, the original pocket, the black magic micro cinema camera, great cameras, and the original, whatever, the original cinema camera, the micro four thirds. Same thing. You know, I'm coming, I'm like, what do you have now? Like, what? 12K? Huh? And I've just been, I've, I've been writing for the last seven years. Right. And also, yeah. once you have a camera and you make stuff on it, you're like, oh, I don't, like, I tune out. Can't, I'm like, tell me about your audio post. Yeah. Tell me about yeah. your, you know, the thing that I'm not doing mm-hmm. that I need to learn about as opposed to like sensor size or dynamic range or, or things I solved mm-hmm. once I bought a camera. So it's, it's kind of like this fascinating in and out thing that you have where I'm still a nerd. I still follow this yeah. stuff, but like the details that, that glom onto my brain are more about camera to cloud, yeah. more about, you know, just parts of the the production chain that maybe weren't as exciting. In fact, speaking of like magic design, we had a great conversation with two of the producers on rings of power. Mm-hmm. Lord we, of the rings, rings of power, the most expensive television show that's ever been produced. Mm-hmm. So it's Ron Ames, the producer, and then Jesse Kobayashi, who was the in the VFX department. VFX right? producer. Okay. There we go. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they were just telling us their process of working with Blackmagic Design mm-hmm. t- to do the post for that show. This is a show where they just said, Blackmagic Design, we're doing this. Amazon's funding this. We want to work in the Amazon cloud. Mm-hmm. We're committed to figuring out a way to do our post. We believe somehow that that working with the cloud that Amazon's already built mm-hmm. will somehow benefit our post-production. Mm-hmm. We also believe in working with Blackmagic Design. Mm-hmm. Build us a system that we can do our entire post-production chain. Blackmagic Design said, okay, bet, did it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I remember I was there for that interview and then Ron, Ron Ames, was like, we asked that of Black Magic, and they're like, well, we've been working on something. Let me show you. Because they, they, they gave the, the, that team uh, for Lord of the Rings, like, a couple of the prototype, you know, whatever they were at that mm-hmm, time mm-hmm. to, you know, test, for lack of a better word. Yeah, but, but also they were like, hey, but, you know, we have this and, colorist with mm-hmm, Company 3 we want to work mm-hmm. with, and we have this, and we, you know, we have X, Y, and Z requirement. And so... It, it basically required, yeah, we can work with some of the existing infrastructure that you're starting to build, mm-hmm. but we want zero latency. Mm-hmm. We want to work in every room across, you know, we have people working in New Zealand and London and the United States on two coasts within the United States. Mm-hmm. And we need all of these people to be watching in real time. No, you know, yeah. we want to see if the colorist is making an adjustment. We want edits to be up to date on every iPad in our post-production chain like like their requirements were a hollywood level of requirement yeah which probably hadn't been built certainly not to that level of mm-hmm. fit and finish and used the product the project the film you know the show as an opportunity to build that out test it and that's something that black magic design is releasing right now yeah I any mean, of us can benefit from that show for cheap yes you know and i want to also say that we think of black magic as this like, oh, it's so affordable, you know, it's so we're just gonna like jerk off black magic today, aren't we? <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh it's happening. So Avatar too. Yes. That like image pipeline on the back end, the guys were like, hey, black magic, we're trying to do this to like, cool, we can help. So like we think about it as as a company of affordable tools, but like everybody goes to them for, you know, all these intricate, you know, tools yeah well you know uh, to me and this is kind of speaking of the day and and kind of one of the big ideas i saw today was this idea that the cloud is here mm. when we were at nab last year everybody was talking about the cloud showing us their projects mm-hmm. showing us here's a product we've made here's mm-hmm. a thing here's a cool feature here's a you know, cloud, cloud, cloud cloud there's even a, a guy walking on a cloud mascot you know <laughs> the frame guy yeah yeah <laughs> the frame mascot whereas this year the cloud is mature the way i describe it is the cloud put on its muscles you mm-hmm. know the cloud was a teenager last it's year working out you know cloud right now is looking buff and the cloud is just integrated it's integrated in the cameras we're shooting on it's yeah. integrated into so many products now that the cloud is not a new thing the cloud is working the cloud it's, is working 
on a, that part piece, of our toolkit yeah. on Frame.io on on we were talking to booths where they're like yeah yeah we we do both the Teradek booth we do both our own cloud yeah you know proprietary thing and to Frame.io and to Core yeah yeah so, you know just the cloud is has just seeped into everything in a really satisfying way that, that these things actually work, that you can yeah. use them, that it's not uh, a, a kind of pie in the sky whiz bang. Hey, here's, you know, this thing that we're trying to do or putting together. It's a, the cloud is matter of fact, the cloud is the state of the art. Yeah. And that's really exciting to see this year. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. The cloud is definitely like now just part of our everyday workflow. It's like, oh, you just want this clip in in the the sky, and everybody in the world can download it. Cool. And and speaking of frame that we're using for this show, their big update is security. So like all their stuff's now encrypted, and like mm-hmm. nobody can access it. So if you're working on a multi billion dollar show right. that if it gets leaked, you lose all your money. Right. You know, boom. Yeah. Secured. You know, at least. You know, people can get insurance off that. But coming back to storage. Yes. And Lexar. Yes. We have some words about Lexar. Are you tired constantly switching out memory cards during a shoot? Look no further than the Lexar Professional CF Express Type B Card Gold Series. With blazing fast speeds, up to 1,900 megabytes per second read, and up to 1,500 megabytes per second write. You can capture cinema quality video with ease. And now, with massive new cap- capacities, up to two terabytes, you can record for even longer without having to stop and switch out cards mid-shoot. I'm just going to say, that was the pre-cut. 2TB is what we need. I'm just going to put a pin on that one, but let me go back to the, the pre-written <laughs> copy. But that's not all. For maximum performance, pair the CF Express Type-B card gold with the Lexar Professional CF Express Type B USB 3.2 Gen 2x2 reader for insanely fast transfers. We were dealing with the transfer issue today. Yeah. Yeah. We need fast transfers. Yeah, we do. And we got one from Lexar. Don't let slow memory cards hinder your creativity. Upgrade to the Lexar Professional CF Express Type B card gold series and take your videography to the next level. And you can find them at BH. If you uh if you shop at BH. Go to B&H, you'll find them there. If you don't, then you probably don't live in a place that b and ships to. <laughs> I don't know how you don't shop at B&H to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, I, I do want to say, the card reader we got today was a SD card and then a CF Express Type A reader. And we copied like seven gigs in like two to three seconds. Yeah. I remember, I remember you started copying and you're, and you're like, yeah, you know, this whole car. And I was like, I was like, I was like, you know, I think I'm going to go like get a sandwich or something like, like I was just like, I was just getting around. like putting my wallet in my pocket and you're like, it's done. And I was was like, what? Yeah. Oh man. So yeah. Shout out to Lexar for making some, some cool tech. And, uh, I do want to talk about AI because I thought my, my big call is like theme of, 2023 NAB 2023 is AI. And then I talked to Grant and I was like, what are you doing with AI? He's like, bro, we've had AI for five years. <laughs> but they just called it something different. They right. called it like neural, the, the neural engine. Mm-hmm. It's like, we've been doing it for, you know, forever. And they, they, they have AI create depth masks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you can use it for like isolating things like mm-hmm. pants, faces, eyes, whatever in your image. And you could use that as a rotoscope, I'm sure. You know, it's it's like that's a really kind of high end tool that I really had, you know, no need for, ever. Uh, being a mild editor, well, an editor, but doing mostly like live stuff. Uh, yeah, it, that was cool. Like, imagine going recording something and then you go, hey, resolve, make make this, make a depth map for this, right? And it's like, cool, where? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and then you mentioned something really cool. You said. Uh, AI supported voice isolation. There's voice isolation we saw. Mm-hmm. Um, AI is looking at the voice, going cool, and then it's rebuilding it. Wow. So it's not isolating anything. Right. Well, it's technically isolation, but it's using AI to rebuild the voice without a background background noise. Yeah. The, the couple applications I saw of that were just mind-blowing. Audio Design Desk also had an AI-enabled yeah. thing that that split a voice from its background They're sound, and, too. and it was perfect. And it was see, it was so fast, 
Mm. And it was amazing. Um, another AI enabled feature that's in Resolve that I believe text based editing? Yes. Yeah, in in Resolve, I think for a while now too. And then also now recently in Premiere Pro. In Premiere Pro, right. right. And so how does that function? That's great. It analyzes a piece of content, a uh-huh. clip. It's great. This would be perfect for documentary editors. Yeah. Transcribes the thing so you get the you can get, you know, for your closed captioning or whatever, like it gives you that that text track. Mm-hmm. But also more importantly, you get the text based like piece, script. script where you can isolate a word, you can search for a word. Mm-hmm. You know, in documentaries, you're always kind of referring back to the transcripts. Mm-hmm. Where's the scene where he talks about his high school basketball coach or whatever the thing is? And so you're always like referring back. Now you can just search for a word, place the the cursor on that word, and it goes to that exact time code on the timeline. Yeah, and you can be like in out done, in yeah. out insert, in out insert. And you can edit documentaries like yes. that. And I've never edited a documentary because that sounds like a nightmare. But imagine if you had, and you've done that. I've done yeah. it, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, Avid has script sync, which is mm-hmm. similar, mm-hmm. but that's, for lack of a better term, manual. You have to get the, you know, clips, you know, transcoded, get up, you know, uploaded. It's like a whole like yeah. assistant editor kind of thing. This is like processed by AI in real time as you ingest the footage, which is the, the you know, the AI is actually doing it on its own, which is mm-hmm. the kind of new innovation. So that's really exciting. I think that's going to help a lot of editors and help a lot of people save time in the edit, especially in documentary where your, your shooting ratio is like 20 to one. You know, it's not like a, a narrative film where you, everything's scripted and you, yeah. oh, just how, how many takes do we have? It's like, no, no, no. You have to find that one time where he mentions, you know, the, the person that he kissed in, in junior high school. Mm-hmm. And you, good luck. Yeah. So a, a needle on haystack problem has been solved by AI. And that's where I think AI tools are going to go. And, uh, well, I say I, but I was educated today by Grant Petty of Blackmagic Design because he's like, hey, you know, I don't want AI to make things for me because AI is good at making things that have already been made. Right. It's good at looking at the entire, you know, history of humanity uh, as of what 2021 whatever whenever the cutoff is <laughs> and going cool uh, you want a, a vase in the shape of uh, a car in the style of da vinci here you go but it's not making anything new right it's only kind of making connections and being iterative derivative i don't know what that word i'm looking for is but you, you get the yeah. idea yeah it's- and he's like i don't want to do that i want to make tools like that i want to make tools that help you be a better creative get out of your way you know, and he's like, that's why when we made the cut page, we were thinking about iPad on Resolve and like all those UI interfaces, like we don't want to get in your way. So we're just going to make it easier. And I think I, I like that. I, I want to see tools that get out of my way. Because sometimes when I'm like, oh, where's that button? Where's that knob? Where's that switch? Right. Where do, how do I do the thing where it looks better? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of great stuff we saw today. Audio design desk. Shout out to them. Second year in a row, they just blew my mind. Yeah. Uh, the ability to do sound design intuitively to play your keyboard almost like it was a piano to mm. do your Foley. But now with AI enabled things with a marketplace, say you're making some great sound design, you want to sell this. You know, the, the, um, there was uh, the ability to already replace an audition sound effects uh, with mm-hmm. an audio designs X that's on steroids now that you can do that by there were like meta tags there was there was stuff yeah it's flying out wait for our video because we're going to condense this down to three to five minutes and you're going to enjoy it and it's going to be cool and uh yeah but so that's day one we kind of glossed over day one even though we've been recording for like close to an hour an hour and 52 minutes but i'm tired hey we got to do day two yeah and that's going to be a lot of fun a little challenging but also exciting. We got to meet. We're going to go meet. Who do we have tomorrow? There's a list. It's in my pocket. <laughs> and I'm sitting on my pocket. So I can't I, pull I, out the list. I'm asking you this question <laughs> so I can buy myself some time to pull up the list on my phone. And, uh, oh, okay, here we go. We are meeting uh, Adobe again. Adobe's great. Um, yes. We're meeting some some folks from Adobe about Premiere Pro and After Effects. We're meeting, hopefully, a company called Luminarch. And if we don't, 
I'm going to, I'm going to give this plug right now. Luminarch tech technologies, technology, they have created. So, you know, an ND filter, mm-hmm. uh, electronic variable ND filter. Mm-hmm. So it's a single piece of glass. You just flip a knob and it goes darker, it goes brighter. Mm-hmm. Imagine that for lighting diffusion. I want to see it. I want to see it too. So if we get a chance to talk to them, you'll see that. If not, go to their website, check it out, pre-order some units. It's a small team. I mean, that is such a cool piece of tech. I'm excited for that. And then we're going to see Filmic, Filmic Pro. Oh, there you go. They're, yeah. they're kind of fun. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, Adobe Substance. Substance 3D. It's going to be cool. Yeah. So big day tomorrow. Anything you want to add about tomorrow? Keep checking nofilmschool.com. Our articles are rolling out during the course of the day. Mm -hmm. Our videos are rolling out during the course of the evening as our editors get the footage that we shoot them. Shout out to our editors. Working hard. Uh, We're out here. Also working hard. Working (laughs) hard, trying to bring you what we see in cohesive ways. And then we podcast about it in less cohesive ways. And that's just what we're going to be doing for the next couple of days. It's fun. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. I am Yaroslav Altunin. And I'm Rafi uh, Rivero. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Okay. And I, oh, no, I was just saying my name and after your name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can find me on Instagram or don't. Uh, my Instagram has nothing to do with tech. It's just my outlet for photography and being a weird hipster douchebag. Or check it out. DM me. We'll we'll chat, or not. Where where can people find you, Rafi? Uh, I'm on Instagram as well, Rafi Rivero, two A's one F. Uh, I'm on. Yeah, I I use Twitter quite a bit, uh, but that's just about basketball. So if you <laughs> want to see what I think is the best like basketball play of the week, then you can go there. You want to talk about beatball? Go to Twitter and at. Rafi Rivero, both places. Uh, you could find me on Twitter too, but I won't respond because I don't use Twitter. I try, I just don't get it. Uh, on Instagram, I'm, I'm at, at, on Instagram, I'm at iaro87, like iPod, which they don't make anymore, but they should. Sony does actually. You know what? We're we're digressing. No, thank <laughs> you for listening. Everybody, take care. Have a good night. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow. See Bye. you. Bye.